0: You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name, as per usual, Connor Halley. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And we're coming to you a day late because I figured I probably shouldn't do a show on Tuesday when the Oilers play that night. It would be dated very quickly. Instead, we postpone until Wednesday, coming off the Oilers' victory. Out in Vancouver, Connor McDavid, the th- overtime winner, his first goal in the 2022 calendar year. Took a little while, but he's on the board, of course. Over the weekend, the Oilers picking up the big win, hosting the Calgary Flames, 5-3. Leon Draisaitl will have the winner in that one. The Oilers' next action coming on Thursday, when they'll host the Nashville Predators. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about that and more with our first guest of this show today in a... We might not have a second guest. I'm not sure, Matt. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I might see if Jeff walks by, if he wants to hop in here, but, uh, the Matt I'm referring to, Matthew Wannick of TSN 1260, you can hear him on the Dave Jameson show Monday through Friday from noon till two. You can also get him on the talking sock podcast and, uh, Canadian soccer right now booming as Antonio Brown would say, potentially a future Baltimore Raven, no, Matthew. No, potentially. no, we're not going into that part. <laughs>
1: no, but big for Canada big soccer. Big for Canada. Big for Canada soccer. We, big window.
0: We, we will talk about that uh, maybe after the Oilers, because that's pretty important. In the uh, Edmonton-based podcast, you got Alfonso Davies. We won't play, but the games were here in November. They were awesome. You and I were there. So we'll, we'll mention that later on in the show. But uh, why don't we go back to Saturday night, Matthew. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers... Struggling going into that one. Mm. Battle of Alberta. A game they really needed to win. Uh, drop down to nothing. They would get back into it on the power play. Evan Bouchard with a couple goals. Uh, what do you think about that game and just the importance of it looking back at it now? Uh,
1: well, one, the importance is big because a loss to the Flames that night and we probably are having a coaching change on the Sunday or the Monday. Like you yeah. lose your t- division provincial rival after having lost 13 of 15 games. Uh, there was a point where, yeah, no, That at that point, even though Ken Holland wanted to go with patience, believed everything is in the room, you got to make that change. And getting down 2 nothing after the first, you're going, oh boy, like here it is. This is how it's going to end. But one thing we saw from the Oilers in that game, and when we get to the Canucks game, same type of thing, we saw it earlier this year. This is a team that has in the past, at the start of the season when they were winning hockey games, they know how to come back from behind. They know how to be trailing and not allow it to affect them so much and come out and find a way to win because they know how they have those weapons. And for whatever reason in that big losing skid where they only won those two games, they couldn't figure that out. They couldn't they just weren't believing themselves. They didn't have that you know mentally they weren't there. They were just a fragile group. Whatever it was, they couldn't find a way to start clawing back from those comebacks. So that was a big one in the sense that they came out on a game where if it doesn't go well and they were already down two nothing, if those forty final forty don't go the way that you know they wanted There's significant things happening to that Edmonton Oilers room. And they instead responded and they came out and they found a way to get the victory on home ice against their provincial rival and to just get a little just a little bit of breathing room, like just to be able to breathe slightly from everything that was going on because uh, the prior two and a half weeks were something else. They played one game. We saw everything that happened between Jim Matheson and Leon Dreisaitl. And that (laughs) just goes to, I think the frustration just everything that was around that team that it just finally bubbled publicly in a way like that. And, um, that, yeah. So for them, that was an important win on Saturday.
0: Uh, Miko Koskinen was a guy, I mean, a lot of people have been critical of this season and deservedly. So he's, He's done what he's done in the past and have the occasional soft goal. But, I mean, you go back to Saturday and going into that third period, he kept them in the game, uh, the game on Tuesday night against the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, he did enough. He was big in the the overtime period. When it comes to Miko Koskinen, and, and, you know, we'll see what happens with Mike Smith. You know, he's been placed on LTIR and Stuart Skinner with, you know, what's going on with him. Do you do you believe that Miko Koskinen can be good enough to get this team or keep them in the playoff hunt? Or do you have to go Stuart
1: Skinner? You're gonna need Stuart Skinner to a degree because we know that Miko Koskinen, when you overwork him, he struggles. That's when the biggest struggles start coming. And just by the way, on that game against the Canucks, like a couple goals I all he'll get ripped on or something. When mm-hmm. he made that big save on a McDavid's turnover on the power play, yeah. and he stopped a second penalty kill goal, you know, going in and that that could have been the game. Um, But instead, it kept the Oilers going. And I think then the team, you know, we talk about how they they fall apart when Miko Koskinen gives up that bad early goal. I think there they responded well because Miko saved them. And he saved not just any player. He saved Connor McDavid in that case. And I think that really, you know, elevated that team. Koskinen has shown in the past he is an NHL goalie. Is he a number one starter? No. And so he can go out there and he's going to give you a chance to win on many nights. But you then have to come out and you're gonna to have to score goals. You know, you're not winning hockey games one nothing, two one or something with Miko Koskinen then. You're gonna need four or five goals generally, maybe three, depending on where Koskinen is in that game. But you're gonna need also Stuart Skinner. Because as I just you know said it at the start, Koskinen can't be overworked. That's when he really falters. And two you know, Stuart Skinner is going to be the future of this team. And we've seen him play this year rather well. We've seen him play at times this year better than Miko Koskinen. And you're going to need to mix the two because you cannot bank on Mike Smith coming back. Like, even if he comes back, you don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Twice yeah. this year he's gone down. Uh, this is, no, this is the third issue. Um, and on top of it's a torn thumb. Like, I don't know how you, you know, took, like, really? A torn thumb out of nowhere. I've never heard of a torn thumb. Uh, so I don't even know if he'll be back this season. So you're, Koskinen's good enough, I think, to keep him somewhat afloat, but you're going to need Stuart Skinner if this is a team that I think wants to somewhat be comfortably in a playoff position.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like, it, I don't want to say it's shady, but it feels kind of shady when it comes to Mike Smith. Like, it's, oh, he'll be back in a couple weeks, and then there's a setback, and it's like, I don't know, we, we always talk about Father Time being undefeated and how eventually, you know. Except for Tom Brady. Except for Tom Brady, who, well, you know, that, that regiment he's on and, Geez, maybe he hangs him up this year. I, I saw some reports about that. I didn't even consider it. I'm like, no, he's playing until he's forty nine. He's that's what he's going to do. He's, but, not, retiring. <laughs>
1: he's not, <laughs> not retiring. Um
0: but, but with but that, like you got him for another year with Mike Smith. Like yeah. this this could just be something that and I know people were critical in the offseason when Ken Holland gave him the two year contract, but I mean at least Miko Koskinen was available to play throughout his time. Like, this could be a really bad deal for the Edmonton Oilers if Mike Smith can't get back on track.
1: See, and it's funny, Yeah, the day-to-day to start turned into months. The second day-to-day ended up being day-to-day, and then now it was, we'll take it day-by-day or something. And it seems like it's going to be quite some time for Mike Smith, so you never know. Um, I never had an issue with the two-year deal, because I always figured year two, he'd be the backup anyways. Yeah. And there you would have your starter that would take control, and you're only counting on Mike Smith for, what, maybe 20, 25 games? Maybe you have to push upwards of 30 depending who it is. And I think you can get that out of Mike Smith because he'd be able to stay fresher and healthy and you're not needing him out there that maybe he could stay available for you. And if he does get hurt, okay, you're dealing with a backup goalie at that point. You're not dealing with your starter. So I don't have an issue with his second year on that one, but that was the concern going into this season where you have a 39 year old goalie. He's going to turn 40. While yes, in 2000, you know, last season it was, you know, he got hurt, but he was healthy and after he started playing, he was great. And people want to say, ah, he changed his workout. It doesn't matter. Your body's your body and your body's going to start breaking down at some point. And when it breaks down, you, you, you just can't guess that. And Ken Holland took a chance and bet on Mike Smith staying healthy this year. And it was a poor bet in the end because we've seen Mike Smith go down. So, um, as for next year, I, I don't think it's a terrible deal if he's still the backup, you know, if he's coming in as fighting for a starting job or still your starter because he's under contract. Yeah. Then it's a bad deal, but. Hey, like me, and that's where I really want to see Stuart Skinner get play this year is what if he can be the starter? What if you sit there this year, watch him play and go, this guy has it after an off season of a little more development, some more coaching next year. He could be a guy that can handle 50, 55 games or something like that. And think about the cap savings you get at that point. What would your total pay, you know, fees be, you know, your cap hit be if Mike Smith and Stuart Skinner, are your starting goalies? It's like under three or something. Yeah. That'd be huge for one year. And then the year after Duncan Keith comes off the books and things kind of really open up there that they're in this cap hell situation once again. But if Stuart Skinner can be that guy, even if Mike Smith is your backup, you're actually in a decent spot. I think cap wise. Yeah. out. Yeah. So I mean, this year it doesn't help because Mike Smith's not going to be healthy. And when he comes back again, you just can't trust that he'll stay healthy three times this season. He's gotten hurt.
0: Of course, uh, I mean, the money you save for Mikko Koskinen next year goes right to Darnell Nurse. And, yep. you know, that contract, that's going to be almost impossible to live up to, you know, considering be tough. the other defensemen around the NHL that make that much money. Um I foresee
1: him being a whipping boy more than he already is because... Well, uh, I'm already seeing the comments about, you know, his contract right now. And I keep wanting yeah. to be like, it's not he's not under he's that not contract angry. yet. You can't rip him for that contract <laughs> this
0: season. <laughs> I mean, man, get the bag when you can. Secure the bag. Hey. Good for good
1: for him, yeah. but it's going to be tough. And the Oilers are in a tough spot, too, though, because do you go into a contract year with Darnell Nurse after the season he had last year where he plays himself, keeps playing himself up? Because you don't want to bet against the guy. You don't want to bet that he's going to have a bad year. Um, would, you, would you risk him? You know, you saw Adam Larson go and leave. Do you risk also him then going and be like, ah, I'll go test you if it Like, So I get why they went with the contract, and that's what the market was set at. Of that last offseason, it just went insane for defensemen. Now, this year hasn't played as well as the year prior, but maybe he gets back to that and we'll see. Uh, a
0: guy who returned to the lineup, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Matt, uh, he played 22 minutes, I'm sorry, almost 23 minutes, I guess five of which came on the power play. Um, when I was talking to Hernan on his podcast, uh, Locked on Oilers, I said he was the master of none. Good at a lot of things, maybe not amazing at anything, but... Holy cow. I mean, his presence was, it was known out there last night. Obviously, the pass he made to Leon Dryas, that on the game tying goal, uh, pretty big deal. But uh, what did you think of Ryan Eugene Hopkins and his return last night?
1: Great pass by him, you know, on that goal. And you're right. It's one of those things with Ryan Eugene Hopkins. I love the criticism the guy gets, you know, <laughs> because it's, they only, people only look at the points. Yeah. They look at goals and they say, ah, he's not scoring, but it's okay. What else is he giving you, though? He's good on the PK. He he contributes to the power play. You know, he's good defensively. There's a lot of other things and intangibles that Ryan nugent Hopkins brings your team beyond the scoring. Now, when you're being paid to be a top six player, you do have to produce points, especially five and five at some point. So that part is fair criticism of him. But everything else, he gives you a lot. And if you lose Ryan nugent Hopkins... And I think we saw it for a little bit. The Oilers become deficient in so many other different areas. Mm-hmm. And so him coming back in the lineup yesterday, I think there is a little bit of a difference with that team in some other areas that you've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins who will help this team. He makes them better. Now, again, it's not something that you see easily on the stat sheet after the end of the game. But when you're watching that and you just, you know, even just seeing what the players say about him, you talk listen to what they were saying at post after last season. He's big in the room as well. So um, he's important to this team. And it also doesn't surprise me he went into the top six as in his return. I know there's the practice of the third line center, yeah. but he's been the, you know, he's been on some, either Leon's or Connor's wings for how many seasons now? I didn't see him coming back and starting at third line center. Connor likes to have someone next to him that, you know, is more of a veteran. And I have a feeling that they put him on that third line for practice just in case he couldn't go. So that there's in practice some familiarity between McLeod and and Connor McDavid, but once he got the go, go ahead, it was, it just made sense to put him on that top line.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of what I was joking around with Hernan. Uh, he rolled into the studio a little early last night. So we were kind of talking about it. And I thought McDavid might have just been like, Hey, tip, he's not on the third line. Like get him, get him up here with me. And yeah, you're right. I, I think about him and just like any situation, the Oilers could be up defending a one goal lead yeah. you want him out there. They could be down, you want him out there. It could be a tie game, you want him out there. Like he's just he he brings so much. Maybe maybe he's not a dynamic goal scorer or a shutdown def- a defender, but he he's not bad at anything. Like he, he can always be out there. So you need those players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh he's, he's a crucial part of this team and I think what you said about his leadership ability. Something there just kind of that calming presence on the bench when things go bad. Eh? It's not that bad when things go good not that good just stay humble uh what do you think about ryan mcleod yeah uh, you know this year he's getting more looks uh the goal he scored last night not a beauty but it counts for all the same what have you
1: thought of his play this season he always seems to impress doesn't he he does like and maybe people have low standards or something well man but if, <laughs> this is a guy that in the end like speaking of Ryan Hopkins, in game four of that playoff series against the jets last year mcleod was the second line center with nuge on his wing yeah, that's how they started that game. Like the, the, Dave Tippett has confidence in Ryan McLeod. And th- there's a reason for that. This guy is coming in and maybe it is some for some people, low expectations, but he's slowly just showing that he's impressive and deserves to be in the National Hockey League. And if there's one thing, we'll you know, we could rip on the Oilers for a lot of things if we're going to praise them for one thing is that they've brought this guy up, I think, properly and putting him in. Proper positions to succeed. And, and even yesterday, I think throwing him on that third line, one, you're, you're saying we trust you to be a center. We're trusting you to run your own line here, but also not putting him in a spot where, okay, well, we're going to put you right on that top line where you have to produce because this team needs production and this team needs scoring. And we're going to put you in that pressure situation where you got to score goals. No, they're slowly bringing him up and and allowing him to evolve into a a better NHL or and take it game by game. So, uh, every time you see him on the ice, he, he seems to be doing the right things. And someone that I think for all Oilers fans, I don't think you could be really critical of anything that you've seen from Ryan McLeod so far yet in his young career. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And I mean, like, like I said, I didn't want to say like
0: expectations are low, but it's a guy who, you know, comes in here and anything positive he does, Oilers fans are going to be, you know, thrilled to see it. So it was good to see that last night. Uh, Um, kind of was intrigued to see what might happen had he got a chance to play in the top six, but I didn't mind the line of Perlini and Cassian with him. Uh, looking at the blue line, Matthew Duncan Keith, a guy who obviously I could say polarizing would be he's a way polarizing. to put it, because there's the off ice stuff, there's what it got to get him here. Um, but let's just look at on the ice for now. What have you made of his play as of late? Like, I guess he's probably been the most consistent Oilers defenseman.
1: He's been playing okay. I think there's still moments that you see and you go, "This guy's not Duncan Keith, clearly from the past." And there's things (laughs) that you watching. Oh boy, like they're paying five and a half for that guy. But I think I think you nailed it with the wording. There's probably been one of their most their most consistent defender, and at times has shown that quote unquote leadership or experience at the very least on the ice. You know, with with certain situations. So. Um it doesn't take away my feeling that I think Euler fans should be praying to God that he retires after this season just <laughs> cuz the 8 million dollar cap swing that you get and like I don't care what player you almost have like that's 8 million dollars that you get um but you know overall yeah he he's been pretty good for this defense considering you know what they have on that blue line could they be better could he even be a little bit better absolutely um, but I think for the most part, if you want, like, if you want to go the negative way, if you want to look at the holes of the defense or nitpick things, I don't think he's a guy you're looking at right away. I think mm-hmm. you're going through a few other players first before you get to Duncan Keith that your word there, as I said, is probably the best, most consistent recently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The bar might not be the highest, nope. but it's but also not the started. lowest. Yeah. He's he he he's been available. He's been ready to go. The pairing of Cody CC with him has been, you know, I, i they consistent again, the most consistent uh, from the Oilers this year. Uh Another name that uh, I think we'll be talking about a little bit more as, uh as the week rolls on here. And, and maybe if you're tuning into this podcast on today's Wednesday, if you're tuning in on Thursday, maybe it's already happened, but it, it's looking like Evander Kane will be a member of the Edmonton Oilers. I know uh, Ryan Rashog uh, tweeted out something similar. Uh Kevin Weeks saying that it's down to two teams and the Oilers are one of them. Um, I've heard from people that there could be some equipment already been made up for Evander Kane. As a player, do you, do you think he's just that perfect fit to be on
1: the wing of Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl? Like, yes. As a player, how as, good is this going to be? As every team wants. <laughs> Yeah. Every team would want Evander Kane as just a hockey player, just the guy on the ice. If you could just literally put him in some room for a while and then just plop him onto the ice and then you put him back in his like packaging or whatever you want somewhere else and then plop him back on the ice. He's an amazing hockey player. He was what probably the best Sharks player last year. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that, you know, he brings the size that this team needs. He brings a scoring touch that this team could also use in that toughness. Without question. There's no doubt that he makes the Oilers a better team on the ice. On the ice, he absolutely does. He makes most teams better. But that's not the only part to a hockey team, and that's the thing there. And so um will they start winning some more hockey games? Potentially with Evander Kane in the lineup. You would have to project that that would be what would happen and, and they would improve. And, you know, you adding another winger, you know, if, if when Zach Hyman comes back healthy, then I think that it does open up Ryan Eugen Hopkins possibly being a guy that could run his own line and be a third-line center, and that just strengthens your team. Um But I just, you, you do... With Evander Kano, there's everything else.
0: Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, counting down to Super Bowl 56. New customers get 56-1 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets. If your team wins, not a new customer, you can always experience the conference championships with the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required, one per. Customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you were the Oilers, how do you handle it? I mean, are I you saying... Him. <laughs> I wouldn't sign them. I wouldn't
1: sign them. Straight up, that's how it handled. Your it moral me. compass is different I, than the Oilers. For me, it would be the winnings not as this is, is this important. Because for, you're, you're putting this in for this year. Okay, what if this year goes well? Are you signing them for next year? Are you signing him for another contract? I think a lot of OIWA fans initially were like, "No, of course not." But okay, he comes on and he starts playing well and does well. You're going to be be like, "Yeah, no, you got to keep this going because things are going well." And that's when the trouble comes. It's not in those first four months. It's not in those first three months or whatever it is. It's when he gets comfortable. Then problems come. And so, and I'm not even going to go into like I've done it on on there and stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to go into everything else that he has because that's a different conversation. And that, you know, how many strikes do you deserve? And to me, I think he's passed the strikes for deserving that next shot. I think he has to do a lot more to show and prove that he's ready for another chance. This isn't a second chance. This is a fifth, sixth type chance. And I don't think he's done enough to show that he regrets mistakes from the past or anything like that. So that's where I, why I would stay away from the Edmonton Oilers. But I also go, okay, if I'm just going to relate this to hockey perspectives. So this goes well. What happens? You're going to let him walk this summer? Nope. And a lot of people are saying, oh, of course you do. Okay, well, le- are you going to be saying that if the Oilers get to a second or a third round? Are you going to be saying, oh, no, absolutely, sign Evander Kane? Or are you going to be going, "No, you got what you needed. You move on from him. He pumped up his value. I think most people are going to be going with, oh, no, you absolutely sign him. And then what happens two, three years from now or next season when the troubles come and you are stuck with Evander Kane and it's easy to say, ah, just kick him out. This ain't football. Football, you could cut someone, no problem. You only have to worry about the guaranteed money. NHL, it's a lot more difficult to just kick someone out.
0: I think he's, and it, I mean, I could be wrong. And you know, the, I guess the track record of Ken Holland might suggest that he doesn't do one year deals because, you know, we've seen we've seen it here. But I feel I look at him and I just think he's insured for the rest of his career. He should only get one year deals, and that's that's his own doing because, yeah. he,
1: like you said, it's when he gets comfortable, bad things happen. But this league. Someone gave a no-trade clause to Jacques, uh, Georges Laroque, right? Like, There's always always one bad GM out there. There's always someone there that's going to be like, oh, they're going to give you that? I'm going to give you this. And for Evander Kane, the initial thing for one GM out there, of all the 32, someone will go, I'll give you two years. Yeah. You're right. He should only be on one-year contracts moving forward. But there's always going to be that one person out there that's going to go, oh, yeah, I'll give you two. And oh. that's the bidding war. Money that's is the how it same, like, I'll give you two. The, in the NBA for the longest time, like, I think it was Kobe Bryant, like, the only player who had a no trade clause. In the NHL, everyone gets a no trade. Miko yeah. Koskinen has a no trade clause, right? Like, it's just, there's always some ways that the GMs find a way to handcuff themselves, and they'll do that with Evander Kane. Whether it's Edmonton or somewhere else for, for the off season coming up. I, I don't expect him to sign more than a one year with the Oilers. Like, oh yeah. If, yeah. if we're hearing it's a two year deal or something, oh boy. <laughs> six, six, year deal, six by six,
0: no movement clause. Uh, yeah, that, that would be bad. And, and it would be really bad if that's what it took to get him and, and the Oilers went for it. But, uh, we shall see. Now, let's, let's just say it happens. Is he a, a McDavid winger or is he dry subtle Where would you
1: pencil him in? Well, there's something with like that McDavid and, and Nuge don't always, Actually, could you go McDavid with Drysaddle and Nuge with Kane and Hyman or something? I mean, you could. Would you would you absolutely load up your top six with even and then you know pull Yarvi on that top line, or would you throw Nuge on to the third line? Leon centers at that point it doesn't matter Hyman or Kane. I, I I would rather have Kane. I think McDavid. I'd like that little extra size with someone. Cause Leon is a guy that can make, take care of himself a little bit more, obviously. I would like that other presence on the line for McDavid, just as a little extra, like, hey, you're going to touch with this guy, you got to deal with this guy too, type thing. Like, why would people like Zach Cassian up there or something? But, yeah, would, would you center, have Ryan and Hopkins center Evander Kane, even though? I asked Krager and Strutty,
0: and I think Greger went McDavid, and Strutty went Dreisaitl. So I was like, okay.
1: These guys both have different opinions, both think it could work with the other guy. Uh, but we, people love seeing McDavid, Dry, Settle together. I mean, and is that a way that it opens up where then all of a sudden you have Hyman and Kane and Nuge as a second line potential? What if you did
0: McDavid, Dry, and Kane with Nuge, Plyarvi and Hyman as your second line?
1: Sure. <laughs> right? Like, it's, <laughs> if they're healthy, like, I, that's one way because we know how good McDavid and, and Dry Settle are together. So, it's one of the things I love about Rodney Chopkins. back to that conversation, is he brings you ability to move things around so much. Yeah. Because you could fight him as a second-line center if you have enough wingers. You could throw him on the third line as a center, or he could play your wing. And it gives Dave Tippett or whoever the coach is all the options that they need. Let me throw another wrinkle in there. What if Dylan Holloway
0: progresses? Uh He had two points, or sorry, three third points. Third-liner to start. So you put him in the third line? Like I ain't putting him in the top six yet. All of a sudden, the Oilers' front end...
1: Looks a whole lot better. Defensively, right, it's, it's not gonna help. And this is where I'll go back to Evander <laughs> Kane. It sounds so good, but then are you extending him for next year? How could you just walk away from that going into next year? How could you just walk away? Everyone's talking about how great this is gonna look, and then you just walk away.
0: I, I don't think they do. If it works, That's the thing. There's an extension. Okay. And, I, and as if, if I'm Ken Holland, it's one year, but I have no confidence that he does that.
1: But still, even if it's that one year, it's, he's here longer, so it's a better chance that he, He's going to do something that's going to mess up. And, you know, this year never was Stanley Cup for me. Next year, the year after, the year after that, those are the years you're kind of looking, okay, go for the Stanley Cup. So now you're going to be sidetracked one of the years potentially because of Evander Kane. I'm not taking that risk. Who's the uh, most boring Oiler? Is it
0: Connor McDavid? Boring? Yeah.
1: Well, Well, he doesn't show a personality on air. Nuge is right there, too. Boring
0: slash responsible. And and that person should be assigned to babysit Evander Kane. Like, no, we're not going out tonight. No, not going to the casino. No, we're not going. There's been an issue
1: on three different teams, including the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg's a wild town, And Buffalo. Winnipeg and (laughs) Buffalo. Like, if this guy can get in trouble in Winnipeg and Buffalo, he can absolutely get in trouble at Edmonton. They're all in the same similar category. Yeah.
0: The armpit of the United States. Barfalo, as Struddy would call it. I don't know. It's...
1: I don't like it. The standby.
0: It's going to make kind of a sideshow, right? Mm-hmm. And part of me enjoys it. Part of me likes to to see Oilers Nation lose their minds. But I guess at the same time, it's like it doesn't look good for the Oilers. We shall wait and see what happens. I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing it's pretty close to done, and uh, I, I've got i got the number already from what I've heard. Should I should I tell Are people? you allowed to say? I don't know if I'm allowed to say it right now whatever think uh think magnus Piarvi. and that that's what i've heard i don't even remember think sergey fedorov okay if 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 that's it that's what i've uh that's what i've heard i don't know if it's going to actually happen but uh that's that's the reports uh matt before we let you go here you've got the talk and sock podcast out now uh world cup qualifiers continuing for canada tomorrow night or thursday night uh, six o'clock, Honduras, mm-hmm. and then on Sunday you've got the United States, and then mm-hmm. on next Wednesday El Salvador. Yeah, what's gonna happen? Is Canada going
1: to the World Cup? This is gonna be the big window for that. Well, they're sitting atop of the table, but you've got six games to go, six matches, and you've already finished Mexico. You only have one more match against the U.S. It's at home. Uh, the biggest obstacle they still have to overcome is going to Central America. It's always hard to go on the road to Central America and take points, but in this window with Honduras and El Salvador, they're the teams right at the bottom of the table. That these are winnable games, even though there's no Alfonso Davies. It's weird to say that they have the talent to overcome that for a short period of time. Yeah. He changes the game. He's like Connor McDavid. He gets on the pitch and he could turn a game around when you need. Um, so that, they're going to miss that, but they've got other guys like Jonathan David, Tejon Buchanan. They've got a lot of players. The bigger miss, I think, for me, for early is in midfield, Stephanie Stakio. But, you know, you look the team that the, you, the two teams you're really looking at are Panama and Costa Rica. They play each other, uh, tomorrow as well um panama's dealing with a lot of covid situations in this window they got mexico they still have to take on the u.s costa rica also has to take on the u.s and mexico in the remaining matches there's a lot of points to be lost by those countries and all Canada has to do like if they can go take a win at either honduras or el salvador draw the other one at worst you know grab four points and then if you could draw against the u.s on sunday five points at a worst case for this window they've virtually punched their ticket i will say that their magic number is 17 to go 12 for a playoff um, it's looking really good. But, you know, complacency can set in. They had a great window here in Edmonton where they took all six points. Sometimes you get a little higher in yourself and you could easily falter. So, we'll see what happens in Honduras. The last time they were in Honduras for a big match or like, it wasn't the last time, but 2012, they lost 8-1. They needed a draw <laughs> and they would have moved on to the next round and they lost 8-1. So, um, there's some skeletons they need to take out of their closet in this one and we'll see if they can do it tomorrow. So, uh, I'm beyond excited about it, but Jesus' team keeps impressing me. And anytime you think, ah, here's an obstacle, they find a way to overcome it. So um I'm thinking good things in this window. And yeah, like there's a an outside chance mathematically they could actually clinch yeah. World Cup berth in this one. That's probably not likely, but they could put themselves in a spot where it's virtually over.
0: Currently, one point up on the States, first place yeah. in the uh the standings right now. One last question, John Herdman do Do we got to start giving him more credit? I
1: think people were skeptical when he I made was the transition. skeptical of him. I didn't I didn't trust him at all and. One, the players absolutely love him. We've talked with a few of them and they just absolutely love playing for John Herdman, what he's done with that group. He's actually turned into a great manager that my fear now is, after this World Cup, who's taking him? (laughs) Like when jobs start opening up at lower levels in, in Europe or something, like not obviously like Manchester United or things like that, you have to start wondering, like the world's going to be watching John Herdman. This is a guy's club should actually be looking at. And how are we going to replace John Herdman? This guy deserves a massive amount of credit. Yeah. I, I still remember when he was announced as the men's Coach, and I'm like, okay,
0: that's that's gonna be interesting. Or manager, he never managed men's side before. And geez, you should have done it sooner. <laughs> He's probably just like, it's just soccer, whatever. <laughs> he figured it out. Uh, Talk and sock. iTunes,
1: all oh, any podcast playing iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, iHeart, Google, Google, at yeah. Talk and Sock on Twitter. Sweet, well, all there. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate you doing
0: this today. Anytime. There you go, Matthew Awanek of TSN 1260, the host of the Dave Jameson Show right now, uh, filling in for JMO. You can hear that on TSN 1260 Monday through Friday from noon until 2. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Awanek, and make sure to check out his new podcast, talking Sock, the Canadian men's national team doing some great things, of course, back in action on Thursday evening. For the Edmonton Oilers off on a Wednesday. They're back in action Thursday night. They'll take on the Nashville Predators puck drop seven o'clock for P game coverage. Tune into TSN 1260. I'll be along with Tom Gazzola and former NHLer Matt Cassian. Like I said, six o'clock on DSN 1260. That's going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Once again, big shout out to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. You can have a lot of fun doing that. Do so responsibly. And we will talk to you next time on the show. We'll recap the game on a Thursday night, see how things go for the Edmonton Oilers and previews Saturday's game against the Montreal Canadiens. I'm Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from.